0: Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. are back for another edition of Nobody Told Me That. I'm excited because I have two people with me today. So it's it's like a party. And even better is it's an insurance and systems party, which I know excites only the most hardcore of you all out there. So I have Christine Taxon from Links to Success and Dental Medical Billing. She's here. And then I also have Lynn Leggett, who is the CEO, founder, rock star of Victory Dental Management. Both are writers and both are just really good friends of mine. We're here today to talk about systems, insurance, what we're seeing out there. But first, I want to have these lovely ladies say hello. Hello, Christine. Hello,
1: my friends, Teresa and Lynn.
2: How are you ladies? <laughs>
0: We're good. We're excited. Lynn, how are you doing?
2: I am doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh,
0: Dogs, dogs next to me. Life is good. You know, you know, the simple things make me really happy, right? There you go. (laughs) We've been working on some projects together. One big project, which is a conference coming up in November, which we can talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about it throughout. But the reason we wanted to jump on the podcast is because we were thinking, oh, my gosh, there's a lot going on out there. The one thing that we've been seeing, of course, is what you've been seeing, which is the changes in staffing. It's been hard to get people to, you know, stay in the jobs, work, recruit good people, the training aspect and all of it. Then the other side of it is the requirements of being a good office manager are changing. We have more need to do more, I guess, uh, good billing, quality billing, dental and medical. Then we thought, geez, we need to really combine these two. Lynn, I want to ask you something because you're in offices all the time. You have the the most active coaching program of all of us right now. You're super busy with that. What are you seeing as far as staffing changes and the requirements that are needed that you may
2: not have considered two years ago? Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely right, Teresa. I mean, most of my clients actually are looking for somebody on the team. I mean, it's all different, different things, whether it be hygienist or a dental assistant or an office manager or somebody to handle scheduling or a financial coordinator, all of these positions, I think it's one of those things where two years ago, like you said, if you would have asked me, would we have this kind of lack of great experienced people to pull from, I, I would have never thought that we'd have this lacking in the industry, but oh my gosh, across the country, this is not a regional thing. We are really um, struggling to find the right people. As you know, I'm all about you. You got to hire for character, not for skill. And so, what I've been trying to help my clients with is finding people that have the right core beliefs and teach them dentistry. For the non-clinical parts, of course. When you're looking for a hygienist, and it takes forever to find that position, some of my clients have been looking for over a year. Quite honestly. And they are holding out and looking for the right person instead of just jumping and getting, you know, a warm body into their practice. Does that mean then a hit on revenue? Absolutely. We've had to, I know with one client in particular, we've had to rework the schedule because she is the only provider of all clinical services. She's doing her side as well as hygiene. And it's been quite, a, quite an adjustment for her But I think the patients are starting to enjoy that model. But this is not something that she wants to do long term. And it's been quite a while already. It's been about nine months that she's been dealing with this. So she is ready to find somebody. Mm. But she's, you know, her patients come first. So that's what she's looking at. Is she participating with a lot of insurance? Because that can really kill that part. She used to. We have worked it down to she is only a network with one insurance company because you're absolutely right, Teresa. She could not be surviving being a heavily PPO practice in this kind of environment. I'm glad that she made that decision because I definitely have been seeing that on Facebook
0: groups as I'm considering doing my own hygiene. I just can't find someone. Some, Some are doing hygiene shares. Where they'll, they'll hire one hygienist and then, you know, if she's got any openings in her schedule, they'll, you know, say, hey, my friend over here. So they're basically like recruiting for like a group recruiting, right? Because it's it's so hard to find people, especially in areas where they're just, you just don't have a glut of hygiene. I mean, Midwest towns, there are huge areas where you're not going to find an overabundance of hygiene. So, Christine, with you, with the, the medical billing, that's something that, like, has exploded in popularity. How has it been finding people to work to do that part of the business? I mean, are people from medical billing coming over and working mm-hmm. in our industry?
1: Well, it's funny you ask that question because we do have, and I have had in the last two months, at least every day, somebody new calling to learn about and their medical billing but they don't understand the dental. So it's like opposite training. I had to learn how to train them in a different way because they don't understand the dental. So what I'm teaching them is the dental billing to connect to the medical. I mean, they're highly skilled medical billers, but if they don't understand the anatomy of the oral cavity, the neck, or any of that, then they can't really become good dental medical billers. So I've seen that change quite big because a lot of medical billers left hospital settings and they don't want to be in the hospitals anymore. And a lot of people want to work from home and this is a great work at home job.
0: Yeah, for sure. So
1: this is really good. And I feel like I'm starting to be um, a placement office too, because I'll get offices calling me and the companies that I've, traditionally work with are so busy they can't find more villas so i'm teaching and recruiting at the same time for people. wow so i just actually got a call from one of my students that i i taught and she came faithfully every three every three times a year to new york uh, when I did the New York meetings and this year, she left her office and is going to be doing billing. And she was gentle, but I'm getting a lot of medical from, especially from the hospitals in New York. It bothered a lot of people because they will injection
0: and so mm-hmm. people
1: are quitting their jobs and now looking for new careers.
0: I think everybody would love to be able to work from home for sure. Uh, there's definitely considerations on that. And we can talk about that in a little bit. Do the medical people find that dental is easier or harder? No, harder. They really harder because it's a learning curve. It's like us learning how to build
1: medical and not understanding how we have to diagnose. Like what is a diagnosis code? We just don't normally do that. When we do an exam, we look in the oral cavity, we look at their medical history and say, this is what's wrong. We have to fix it. We don't diagnose how it got to that point. Medical always look at that. So the fact that our doctors don't document that way, most of them, and it's a text message, they are having a very hard time training the doctors into understanding that they can't fill without that information.
0: Well, now that's interesting because it's not really the coding itself no. that's more difficult. It's the documentation piece yep. that is more difficult. Yep. That's interesting because I would always think that knowing medical and dental, I always think dental is so much easier. That's so interesting to hear it from the other side. Yeah.
1: But you know, we are, dental is changing, Teresa. You're the one that teaches that. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Not going to accept a text message if they come in on it or ask
0: for paperwork. The one thing that I think surprises a lot of people is why can't I just go in and edit the record? Yeah. I'm just like, no, that's not going to work. Like, remember when you tried to turn in your report card and it said a C and you tried to color it in to make it look like a B at least, it's not going to work. It's not the same thing. One thing that I have seen a lot And I know, Lynn, you're dealing with this just because people have to check on eligibility and it's driving them crazy. But the Medicare Advantage plans coming out of the woodwork and just invading. And next year is going to be even more. I mean, 2022 is going to be the year of Medicare Advantage frustration. I 100% am on record with that prediction. Lynn, you look like you want to say something about this. this. Is this something that's affected your offices?
2: You bring up a really good point for 2022, Teresa, because I think this sort of hit people out of the blue. And they've been told, wait a minute, the the word Medicare is in here, there's no dental benefit. So then I associate no dental benefit with Medicare. And then they're like, well, Medicare Advantage, what is that? Because some people, if you haven't dealt with that in your personal life, you may not be familiar with any of these programs. Um, So it really has been, um, like you said, it's getting ready to blow up. There are offices that are and they're not even sure what questions to ask. I guess that's that's the other point too, because they're so focused on, this is what I've asked every dental insurance company in the past, but the questions and the communication may need to change a little bit dealing with these Medicare Advantage plans.
0: They're not even identified correctly on the card. Sometimes they don't have enough information for you to even put into your claims software so that you can actually send the claim, right? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because I interviewed uh, Delane. You all know Delane. Logie from um, Dental Claim Support used to be like the power behind Practice Booster, right? She did a podcast with me about Medicare Advantage, very well received. I listened to the whole thing. I interviewed her and I still have questions. And it's not that she didn't explain it. I still have questions. And so I know, Christine, that's one of the, I think you've got two sessions at the insurance extravaganza that we're we're all going to be at in November you have two sessions dedicated to it. I'm going to talk about it in my upcoming trends class, but I think this is one of those topics where if you're an insurance coordinator and manager, I think you just have to absorb everything you can about it because it's not going to make sense until you have enough info about it, until you see so much about it, finally it clicks. You know what I mean? Like a Rubik's Cube, it'll finally click for you. I'm still waiting for that click. It's still tough for me To talk about PAR versus non-PAR, I'm sorry, I was told that it's enrolled versus non-enrolled. I mean, it's just the terminology is different. Christine, why is this so difficult for me? I think that that it's difficult because we're saying the word,
1: as Lynn said, Medicare. So typically, dentistry's never been part of anything with Medicare. But the one thing I want to impart to everybody is this is not a Medicare part. When you think of collecting insurance from your patient, photocopy, the front and back of every card, that's medical. So both medical and dental, get both cards. Get the cards, because the Medicare Advantage cards, and one of the things I'm going to do at the meeting is show cards and have the room read to me what kind of insurance it is, because I myself have Aetna. But it's Medicare Advantage. You don't bill Medicare, you bill Aetna. So the billing, if you know how to bill either dental or medical, you're going to be able to use that insurance. So it's not Medicare. We have to get that word like to the back of the card say Advantage Medicare because it's regular insurance. It doesn't have Medicare. Rules except one the doctor has to become a non participating provider, not opt out the way everybody did when Medicare said you want, we want you to enroll. Opting out means your NPI number is nowhere to be found in the medical database.
0: Okay, hold on, let me break this down because we have people who don't maybe they're listening for the first time and. They're like, Teresa, you used to be so easy to understand and now nobody understands us. Okay, so NPI, you know, as your national provider identifier, every doctor has it. In order to have a claim processed, you've got to have that on there. The carrier has to know what to do with it. If you opt out, Medicare does not recognize your NPI number, which means you're not going to get a payment. There's no payment. Okay, so there's other rules that apply to that too on how you talk to the patient and so forth. The whole thing about... Opt out that Christine was talking about people a couple years ago, and and we talk about this too uh, on the podcast. I'll link it in the show notes too, because between Delaine and Christine, they've really been amazing to listen to with this Medicare Advantage. But what Christine brought up is is super important. I'm not sure if we went in depth on this in in the podcast. A couple years ago, there was a huge hubbub. With the state associations because medicare released this rule that if you were prescribing to your medicare patients and you were not a medicare enrollee provider then that patient would not be able to get their prescription filled because it didn't come from a prescribing medicare recognized doctor so the doctors back then had a choice of enrolling as a prescribing only entity or opting out completely of the Medicare system. So a lot of people had to make a decision and they did. Now the ones that opted out, the problem with that is that it's two years. It renews itself unless you tell it to stop renewing. There's no like two months in, you can't go, oh, I changed my mind. Like you're in it for two years. Is that right, Christine? So you're stuck for two years. So if you're all of a sudden a Medicare Advantage provider, then you may not be able to see these patients, even if they're coming through an Advantage plan. Do I have that part right, Christine? You are so smart. See that? See, it's starting, the Rubik's Cubes, are st- it's starting to click a little bit, but I'm still like many colors away. Yeah. And for those of you who are really young and have no idea what I'm talking about, it's an old 80s toy that we used to play with. And uh, yeah, don't worry about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I never did get all the colors on one side,
0: ever. Oh yeah, I had to do it, but it took me a long time. But I had a friend in high school that could do it with his uh each hand. He had one in each hand and he could do it. Oh he God. was this that smart. I don't know what he's doing now. I hope he's like head of something right now. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> with the status of the provider, that to me honestly, that's where I am very fuzzy. The rules about what to give forms and everything that you're going to give, the, all these forms to the patient, it's starting to come together, but I'm so fuzzy on the status thing. Okay. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
1: There are three statuses for Medicare in general, let's just say me- Medicare. There is a participating provider, there is a non-participating provider, and there is an opting out. When you opt out, you can't do anything. Period. End of story. They don't want to claim. They don't want to hear you. No exemptions. Nothing. When you opt in, you can see Medicare Part B patients, but there's very little coverage. Very little coverage. That's regular Medicare.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: there's very little coverage for dental on that. It's starting to be talk about, you know, adding more to that, but We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Becoming a non-participating provider establishes you to be able to bill these non-traditional Medicare cards, which are owned by regular insurance companies. The difference is that the patient has chosen to spend more money in their Medicare policy. So since Mm -hmm. Medicare can't do it, they have set up other companies, Aetna, Oxford, United Healthcare, to be able to work with the patient individually and say, I want these benefits covered, hearing, seeing, and chewing. That's the basic three that were not covered by Medicare. So now people are buying it. You have to think that, and that's why I call the, the, the course I speak you know, do, is not your grandmother's intern, because it is not Medicare. That's why it's called Advantage. It's given patients the opportunity to take their Medicare money, take it from Medicare, put it to Oxford, and add the rest of what they want. At an economic level, it goes by your economic. So if you're at a lower economic, you may be able to get that in a covered policy, some of those benefits. If you choose to get a better policy, then you
0: have to pay some money. You're self-insuring at that point. It's a supplemental plan. Absolutely. And I never thought of it that way. Do you think it's better to buy a supplemental plan or work with the office if they have an in-house membership plan? What do you think of that choice? Okay. Well,
1: we can't use the word supplement plan because A supplement plan is like an AARP and Medicare first, and it only covers if Medicare covers. This is an individual policy. This is like- Oh,
0: I have to relearn everything.
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) I think that there are a lot of offices that are, if you could show the patient what an in-house benefit is and really show them. I think a lot of people would choose that if that's the only thing they want, which is death. But you have to think that there's patients that are 65 and older are not just dealing with teeth, they're dealing with loss of sight and loss of hearing. So I still see the need for it. I can tell you, I have offices that still work with a private in-house plan. Even when people have insurance, because I don't teach my medical offices to wait for policies to pay. I teach them to get their money up front with a plan
0: and then bill for the patient. That's the ideal world. I mean, honestly, that's that's definitely ideal.
1: It this leaves you with the ability to not be dependent on it, but to helping your practice maintain patience who are happy with you, at least retain benefits. So when I get a doctor calling me, she goes, well, I'm not in insurance, I don't wanna be in insurance. You don't have to be, you're a non-participating, you don't have to participate with Medicare. You just have to have information just."
0: But if she's an Aetna participating provider, then she's agreed to that Advantage plan, if it's through Aetna, she's agreed to those fees, right? If she's a PPO. People feel like they're mixing and matching and they're not coming up with the right formula. So it it is definitely it's confusing. And, and it's really funny, you guys. I, I mean, obviously, the listeners can't see this. But the whole time you and I were talking and clarifying all of this, Lynn was just scribbling and writing because I know you're going to take this to your to your clients because you're like, oh, I need to do this, this. I can see it now. So from an implementation point of view,
2: what was going through your head when you were making those notes, Lynn? It wasn't only that, and you may kill me for saying this next part, but, you know, I also come from the pharmacy realm. And I can tell you the the Medicare supplement plans that you're discussing also has to deal with the patient choosing the right plan to cover their right prescriptions. Because they don't all cover the same prescriptions on the same level. I'm not trying to complicate it. I can just talk to you from that side as well. Please. It's interesting because I think the
0: insurance billers that listen to this want to know like that the holistic view of it. So
2: please, if you want to talk about it. Okay. I'm going to be the daughter, a real life role right now of aging parents and a 100 year old grandmother. Okay. My twin sister is a pharmacist just so everybody knows this. And so we've sat down and decided what works best for each individual. Now you would think that husband and wife, which should be on the same plan, maybe, maybe not, because it depends on their prescription. It depends on their needs. Look at it. Look at it like a holistic. It depends on all of their medical needs. And as dental providers, we may be asked some really weird questions on which one should I choose? That's where it's going to get sticky. But much to what Christine was talking about, you know, you've got vision, you've got um, audiology, you've got other things that are all going to be coming into the holistic medical bag of insurance that they have. So you may want to be prepared with some of those questions that are down the line, not that you can choose their plan for them. Mm-hmm. If we're in this world and we sort of live, eat, breathe insurance and we've got questions, imagine the average American that's going, I don't know what to do. Can you help me?
0: Yeah, you're not kidding. My dad was looking at some of the policies and he's like and he's a smart man and he's looking at me like he has no idea what he's reading. It's like in uh, foreign language.
1: I want to bring up a point that both of you could go use for your parents. There is a website for Medicare Advantage plans where you could put your zip code in and I'll send it and I'm going to bring it to the insurance extravaganza so that the patient themselves could go online and compare Medicare Advantage policies so they could choose What's the policy best for them? And Lynn is 1,000%. There are a lot of people that already have, say, they're hearing it. So they don't need audiology. Maybe they're happy with what they have. Don't forget, you're going to pick a plan every year. So maybe this year they don't need audiology, but they have to have a good prescription plan because they're diabetic and their medication could cost hundreds of dollars versus 20 or 30. So that's the key. Go, you're going to go online. You're going to put in the zip code of where you live because don't forget. Wait, what's the site? I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. I will send it here.
0: <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready to type. sorry, but I will send it
1: out. And, I, and please come to the insurance extravaganza because that's what's important is to find the tricks. The tricks are that there is a lot of information to have to know what to look for. And each patient can find the best policy within their zip code to give them the benefits they need and require.
0: Okay. So listeners, I will make sure that that's in the show notes. I have a note here to bother Christine for that site. So we'll do that. And what just immediately popped to mind, because I talk about this in my classes when you look at participation issues, if you're wondering what's going to be happening in the next year or so, it's not a bad idea to go to the patient side of the carriers and put in your zip code and see what's available in your area. That gives you a really good idea of what the individual plans are that are going to be out and available for you. These Medicare Advantage plans are very nuanced. They're structured In the weirdest ways, it's not written by dental people. They're not written by dental people initially. It'll change because some actuary is going to look at this and go, this is crazy. But right now, they're not really that well written. They have all these weird clauses and exclusions that our software does not know what to do with. The one that I talk about in my classes all the time is the Humana plan. That's a $1,000 yearly benefit, but it's $250 per quarter. You're gonna have to manually track that listener. So, if you know of plans in your area, that helps you have that conversation with your patients. So, I urge you to go look them up, at least so you see how some of them are structured. And then, when you say to a patient, listen, I can't choose your plan for you, but here's what I know you're gonna sound really smart. Mm -hmm. That's gonna increase their confidence level in you. If you're looking to go add a network, or if you're looking to strengthen these, these ties with your patients, You being confident about the advice you give, clinical and administratively, that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key because customers are requiring accurate advice from their offices nowadays. That's what they expect. And honestly, as a consumer, I think that's what they deserve.
1: The reason why I went so far into it was, A, I was turning into one of the baby boomers, right? So (laughs) I had to find it myself. So I figured, well, I'll take a lot of courses on this and figure out what's the best option for me. And then this year, I had to do it for Paul. Now, he's on a totally different plan because of his medication. I didn't have that issue. I have the issue of really a breakdown in my entire head. Eyes, (laughs) hearing, and teeth. So I needed to make sure I had all three of those coverages.
0: So you got the the above-the-neck policy. Uh,
1: Yeah, I have the the (laughs) above-the-neck policy. So I've been able to go, and even though my husband's doing my dentistry, I'm moving to Florida. He's not going to be able to do it. So I have to have a dentist. I need to have eyeglasses. And I'm going to need hearing because, as we all know, I have to sit at the front of a room, which I hate doing when I'm taking courses because I can't hear. Because I have to ask the person next week, what they say? What they say? And everybody is getting tired of me. But that's important for me. Never. You know, when you look around, I don't think I look like my grandmother, but I am my grandmother. I have grandchildren. I hope I don't look like my grandmother did, but I feel because I'm still very active. My grandmother was home, pressing, wearing a black schmuck. If you're Italian, you know black. punk. people want the best lifestyle in health. I'm talking health. And after these last two years, or year and eight months, and it's still ongoing, people are more concerned about their health than ever before. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a problem when we have a shortage in dentistry. So, in talking about that, I have a great tip, Lynn. A lot of my doctors are hiring graduate student doctors, and putting them in hygiene and giving them the opportunity to do the work they find. So instead of calling to a hygienist in treatment planning, these doctors coming out of dental school are doing the hygiene, they're doing their exam, and they're treating that patient. So they're happy because they're not just doing cleaning.
0: Christine, what I want to know is, that is there a big butt and eyesight plan? Because that's what I need. Is there, is there one for that? <laughs>
1: there is an eyesight plan, <laughs> but there's no butt plan.
0: Sorry. All right, fine. <laughs> Any actuaries listening? Come on, come up with something. <laughs> and for those of you who are new to insurance, actuaries are these men and women behind the scenes. You don't see them often. I don't even know if they emerge into the sunlight. But They're the ones who look at all of the numbers and the claims information and the the demographics of these areas. And they're the ones who come up with the rates for all of these plans and what the values are. I'm not going to get into that at all. Um, They come up with what is profitable for the plans. And then then they release the plans and now we have to deal with them. So, Lynn, did you finish up your pharmacy side? I want to make sure we didn't miss anything. I, I did. I'm, when you said release them, I'm like, release the hounds. I know. Know. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes when these plans 2022 in January, everybody comes in with a new card and you're like, hey, oh, what do you what do you know about this plan, Mrs. Smith? I don't know. They just gave it to me. So you're like, great. That's a whole different system that I have to teach there. One other thing we're going to talk about at the insurance extravaganza. And let me just say it's going to be it's in November and it's in Orlando, my goodness, Orlando. What are the dates, Christine?
1: November 11th and 12th. And it will be uh, at the Lake Bonavista Orlando Hotel. So I'm very excited because I missed last year. We couldn't do it. And I'm excited. We have a lot of people very interested in purchasing tickets already. So I just feel like it's going to be a great Great experience.
0: Well, I sent out my email newsletter with the information about it. And my email blew up about it because, you know, two full days of insurance, the people that are going to go to that are going to be hardcore and they want to be around other hardcore. It's pretty cool.
1: You know, Teresa, how many people
0: come back every year? I know. This
1: is our third. Think about the doctor that's come from Chapel Hill. She's coming again. There's something new every year. You know that. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to say one of the interesting things that we added, or you added, I keep saying we, but it's because I'm helping you with it, but really it's your baby. It's always been your baby. Colleen Huff is good at Medicaid and accident claims. We have a session on that because I know the three of us get questions on that. And when I hear Medicaid, I say, dude, so state specific. You're going to have to check with your state. And she's going to give some clues on that. And then the whole accident claims, I prayed to not have accident claims in our offices. You know, whenever somebody came in and said, oh, I had an accident at work, I would just be like, oh my gosh. And if they were a new patient, I could say, well, you should probably call the provider on your list, you know, because it's such a pain. But if it's a, a good patient that we know, of course we're gonna help them. But those are the claims I cursed because they were hard to do, but she's good at it. It's been a while since I've taught it. So thank God somebody's good at it. She's gonna do it. And then credentialing is a big pain point. Everybody has questions about credentialing. Christine, what's going on with credentialing? I think
1: it's uncomplicated now. The steps have become easier. And even the ADA has helped make that easier because every office should hire the virtual assistant next break. And that is CAQH. CAQH is a company that you could download right through the ADA platform or just go online and put in caqh.org and open up an account. They will do the work for you. Every year they'll send you a notice when your malpractice is due. So all your paperwork now is in a virtual drawer. After you finish sending them that, your information, you can tell them what medical insurance plans do you want to be part of? They will help you establish a relationship with that insurance plan. Not about being in network, but just because you want to build it. I always tell doctors when you do that, don't join. Don't become a member right away. You don't need to be in network, network doctor until you see the plans that work for your office. Again. Every zip code has different plans. Every zip code provides different treatment. You learn. That's interesting. But then you have a virtual assistant that you're not paying for. I mean, how good is that?
0: The whole outsourcing thing, there's definitely an uptick in that, just for staffing reasons. And I think some of, I mean, we could do a whole course on that because I think there's some do's and don'ts with outsourcing, The one thing with it is, yes, credentialing is important, but once you're in the network or opening an office, once you get that set up with CAQH, that shouldn't be that difficult. But for some reason, it's very confusing for people. They don't know when, they don't, because they're new and they just haven't done it before. The one tip that I would give is to make sure on CAQH that the contact person is the doctor themselves. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this firsthand go sideways. This is also on your contracts too. Don't make your office manager your contact, the one who has the license, make them the contact because I know office managers are loyal and most of them are awesome, but some are not. They may leave and they may be the one getting notification about your renewals. And if you're out of network suddenly, it might be because Muffy decided she was going to ignore the email because she hasn't worked for you for two years. Be real careful about things like that. I actually am excited to have Janet Press back. So for those of you who don't know Janet, she's a hygienist, focuses on lasers, but just, I mean, when she teaches, I feel like I'm back in biology class in college, like with my best biology teacher, because they made it fun. So Janet's going to go over the AAP guidelines, because I know that they're being used, they're finally starting to get used. And if you don't know what those are, those are your new perio criteria, you do need to use them. She's going to go into it for the non hygienist, which is exciting. She's also going to talk about how it's going to impact claims and that sort of thing. One of the challenges we're going to have at this meeting, Lynn, is how do people take all this information and then they got to put it into place in their office. And that's why we brought you in, honestly. You have a plan about a follow-up webinar, but then also, what were you thinking when we said, hey, you're going to need to help implement or give people implementation tips? After saying, what the heck are you talking about? What were your thoughts?
2: (laughs) You know, I thought this is going to be a really cool thing to do because I think we can all relate if we go to any conference and we get all this information, right? And then we get in our office on Monday and we go, now what? Do I remember what was said? Who said it? What's going on? So the whole idea is to be able to have a plan before you leave. And I have found the offices that create a plan and then they work the plan, they're going to be more successful. Create a plan at the meeting, you mean? Yes. To be able to take your notes in such a way and have that plan ready to implement so that when you get to your office on Monday morning, there's no scratching of your head going, now what? It's to be able to say, I got this. I'm confident. This is what I'm going to start putting into practice day one when I get back to my office. Now,
0: we're going to do a follow-up call. What do you think will happen on these follow-up calls, the Zoom calls?
2: I'm anticipating some questions about, I remember this part, but can we go into a little bit more detail to be able to answer those questions? So I anticipate a lot of questions to be asked, but what I expect is to be very educated questions to be asked. Um, So very informed questions that they're almost secondary and tertiary to the really basic stuff because they're going to be going through two days of intensive information and they're going to think through this. The other thing is to be able to make sure that they're on the right track and to be able to say, hey, I really got a lot out of this meeting. I need to go every year because this information, as you ladies so aptly put it many, many times, it changes it evolves over time. There are new rules there are new plans. There's new everything. So whenever you have new, to me, that means I got to reteach and and make sure I understand and get up to speed and then remain up to speed on everything happening in the marketplace.
0: I think it's a really cool trend. These meetings are doing like a follow-up call. I'm working with a software company at Adom I'm presenting with Curve. And what we're going to do is like a month after the session, we're going to have a Zoom call. Anybody who attended can hop on and we're going to answer any questions. We're going to help them come up with like another game plan for the next couple of weeks. And then, you know, we're only going to do one, but I hope other conferences do this. I hope other speakers start doing this because that is really a big draw for somebody like me who needs to be able to ask questions afterwards and doesn't really want to blow up the instructor's phone, you know. That's what we're gonna do with the extravaganza. We're gonna have a Zoom meeting with all most of the instructors, the ones that are able to attend, the attendees can log on and ask us questions and we can tell them if no, that's not that's not at all what we said, or we can say, Hey, good job
1: <laughs> I think that people really need to know that they can't possibly institute all of the information that we need. One of the reasons I think Lynn is integral is she could help them make that decision. What is priority for me? I mean, if you're only going to be doing sleep apnea billing, well, you still have to set up your practice and Jam Palmer is there to help you figure out what needs to be done. Then that's what you should focus on. The purpose of everything is to implement one thing at a time. So that's why I think Lynn is going to be so integral. And I hope people understand that she's the coach that they should be working with for the year after the meeting if they want to implement every, My hopes are that practices decide that she's part of their practice and hire her so that implementation is a positive, not a negative. Oh, it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because those steps were missing, and I see this every day, and it doesn't matter whether it's insurance or even scheduling. It doesn't work if you don't put it in and accurately remember that conversation and use the tool that somebody's teaching you.
0: I have a question for you, Lynn. What do you do when you're the person who went, and we all were this person, went to CE came back with amazing ideas, and the rest of the team was like, eh, because they weren't there. What do
2: you do? How do you handle that? When you, when you come back with that information, I think the first thing that they go, eh, is because they're thinking something's going to change and it's going to affect me. And then half the time, you're not explaining to the rest of your team members how this is going to help your patients. And that's one of the things that we're focused on, and we've been talking about this whole podcast, is taking that approach of how are you going to help your patients and be the one that that has that information that they need to be able to make good decisions. Because we are the experts, whether we like that title or not, in our offices dealing with our patients, we are looked at as the experts and we need to be the experts. And in order to do that, new information has to come into the practice to keep everybody up to speed. And if somebody really just shrugs their shoulders and goes, no, I'm not going to do it, then that's a different question. And I'm going to say you've got employees working for you and not a team. That's a different discussion for a different time. Everybody should be eagerly anticipating their team member coming back on that Monday going, oh man, I'm so filled with information. This is what we're gonna do. And this is why we're going to do it. And it's going to make such a difference for them and their patients. I love it. The whole thing is we will have typically... Christine, in the
0: last couple of years, what we had was a dentist and a manager or a dentist and hygienist that would come. And the first thing they would say is, I wish I had brought my team. I wish I had brought my team. It's not because, I mean, they wanted them to absorb all of that, but they knew that there had to be big changes in the office, especially documentation-wise, sleep apnea, all that is very different. They have to change a lot of things. And I think the fact that now they felt they had to go back and educate and justify the change, that was overwhelming to a lot of them. So we're going to hopefully be able to help with that, with the implementation piece. We were like, we have to make this different because, you know, we want to make sure they stick. And it never occurred to us until we were really thrown around that we're missing somebody to help them implement it. Because we just, we just like throwing information at people and then running out of the room. But somebody like you has to stick around and, you know, fix it. You had to extend the room block because we've got a lot of people already. Super, super excited about it. Christine, you mentioned Medicare, rolling dental into Medicare. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Because I have some thoughts on that. Do you want to talk about that?
1: No, I am
0: not as versed
1: at this point on it because it's up to Congress and all of that. And I don't think that they're going to be working on that right now. But they do have some plans already in some states that have expanded dental into the Medicare policy, like Virginia, for instance. Medicare or Medicaid? Medicare is going to have some extended benefits. Don't forget that, and this is another issue, Medicaid and Medicare are state-also run. The federal government sets it out, but the state runs their own.
0: Okay, so hold on. Medicaid is typically seen as a state program. Most people think Medicare is a national program. Yeah. Every state has a Medicare like servicing center or something. Is that what you're talking about? That you have to go and find out what's going on in your state. Yeah.
1: And even Medicaid. Medicaid is not the same. And that's why I'm excited to bring in Colleen because Medicaid are also state run. That's why you have some that have only children and some that have children and and then other complication, and I, I hate to say it, is patients that have Medicare and Medicaid. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not even going near there right now.
0: Yeah, actually, if anybody calls me and says, listen, I got a patient with both Medicaid and Medicare, I'm going to suddenly have reception issues. So just so you know, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Call Colleen.
1: It is one of the more
0: complicated billings. Yeah. That's like in a video game. That's like the final boss. I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the Medicare piece though, I, I can tell you what little I know to date as of the time of this recording, it's still winding its way. The whole bill, the infrastructure bill is not approved or not law yet, but it is winding its way down there. And there's a proposed dental benefit in Medicare now, which means there will be offices who can be full-on Medicare providers. The ADA just gave a webinar on this, and I'll link it. One thing that was interesting, I, I asked a couple questions anonymously, and which was, well, not anonymously now, but will you, will we be using dental codes or medical codes? Will we have to become Medicare providers? The answer was, we will have to register with the PICO system. And as soon as she said PICO system, I said, that's it. Because PECOS for my Medicare people, you got to register with Picos to be a Medicare provider. Is that right? Yeah. That means too, Medicare fees are not all that in a bag of chips. The fees, if you're if you're not a Medicare participating provider, but you see somebody with Medicare, I think you get reimbursed like 20% above the Medicare fees. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You have to make sure you have all forms that are legally signed.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. The forms are a whole nother thing too. And then- The forms and the fines, that's what I want to say. Fines for Medicare violations are not little things, you guys. This is the federal government we're talking about. Anybody who's looking to participate with Medicare as a Medicare, not Medicare Advantage, Medicare, if this bill happens, you guys really need to have your ducks in a row. This is why I'm just going to say it. This is my opinion. Studying healthcare policy as I did in grad school, watching it through the years, the regulations... The requirements on medical offices, this is a big, big reason why medical offices slowly became incorporated. They sold to hospitals. They sold to systems because the solo medical provider that we grew up with, ladies, they could not afford to have a staff of 6, 7, 10 to do their billing because of the regulations that were imposed on them. Now, dental, we have a smaller subset of codes, but my goodness- that is really, I believe, what changed the healthcare system 20 some years ago. I mean, well, starting 30 some years ago, really that trend. I worry that offices are not going to know how to bill correctly. Let's be serious. Most dental offices don't take dental billing as seriously. They, they just hope they get it right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they won't get audited. I don't think they realize, I mean, Christine, you know, on the Medicare side, they don't realize how many recovery audit contractors, how many audit companies are out there just waiting to get a whiff of improper billing, and they pounce like crazy. This is why medical providers could not compete solo out there. So you know about the recovery audit contractors, Christine, isn't that something that just really shuts an office down?
1: Oh, I have had clients, the FBI takes their computers out of their offices. I always tell every provider, Big Brother is what? Right. It's not just the insurance companies that are looking at your claims. Your claims are being sent to a conglomerate company and they're comparing your claims, somebody else's claims in the same zip code. They're looking at every insurance you bill, whether you're in-network or out-of-network. You know, auditing is not based on whether you're in-network or out-of-network. But the whole Medicare billing process, I don't believe it's going to pass. I hope it doesn't pass because I don't think dentistry should even step into that. That's where I would push patients. If they do it now at Medicare Advantage, patients are going to see that they could have this treatment as if they had no insurance because the doctors are billing it for them but they're paying for it. And you can have those plans, the in-house plans to help supplement the patient to be paying by month or week or however they want to set it up. They have more control that way. And we all know that we have to go to work so we can pay salaries. If you're an owner and my husband was an owner, there is no money tree in my backyard. So he had to work and the team had to work so that we could help them get through.
0: On the webinar, they did say that they were going to work on helping the admin teams adapt to the new coding because we'd have to use medical codes. I was thinking, that's nice. That's, that's fine. But how about putting out some real serious, like strict, hardcore recommendations for documentation? I mean, really, like not just guides to this or guides to that, but at a minimum, this is what your charts must include. That would help admin teams more than anything. We can learn the codes. We're smart. We'll look at the list of codes. We'll figure that out. I can't control my doctor and make them give me good notes. They've got to learn that for themselves. So and and it's not all doctors. Let me be clear. Just managers, you know who your doctors are, <laughs> you know. You know, don't think you haven't been
1: learning this because I've taught at the university. They learn this. They learn how to document like a regular medical doctor. But what happens? They get busy. They go to work for somebody else. And so that somebody else is training that new doctor how to cut corners so they can see more patients. So it's it's a downward spiral. It's not an upward spiral for these young graduates. And they have learned all these new things in school. And when, I, I mean, when I'm teaching, I really should be teaching the clinical instructors and the, the doctors in the clinic that are following these young doctors in training them not to let go of these. Things. Right. How do you do it
0: in a way that they don't need to fall backwards? That's a key there. That's the big key. That's the implementation part. Documentation's a muscle. You got to keep flexing it. You got to keep checking your chart notes to make sure if they're current. Looking at the insurance processing manuals to see if you're missing any key criteria that could be added into your templates. Double checking it. I mean, managers, one of your key chores. I hate to say it, is you need to double check the clinical records. Do a spot check. Pull some records. Pull them up on the computer and make sure that you could send a claim based on this information. And if you can't, then that's another training opportunity. Don't go raging at them because that doesn't help anything. You know, hey, I'm trying to create a claim off this and I don't have anything. Can you help me with this? And yeah, I'm glad I caught this now, but you know, this would have been a real problem if it had to go out. You know, that's what you do on a daily basis. If you have somebody who's a resistant charter, let's, let's do that resistant charter.
1: (laughs) Teresa, you're the dental guru. Yeah. What's going on with Delta and
0: their paper? Not- so, you know what? I Sometimes I, I, I want to pat myself on the back, but I'm trying not to be that way. But I try to stay humble. But I called this. I called this back in 2017, 2018. 2018, Delta of Northeast, in their manual, they changed it. Because remember, you guys, I read manuals like, like people read their romance novels. Like it's, it's really a shame. This is like what gets me happy. So in the, in the 2018, um, (laughs) that their provider processing manual, they had a statement in there that said narratives are no longer considered to be diagnostically acceptable. I mean, they, they basically have seen enough narratives written by enough new insurance coordinators that they knew they weren't diagnostically acceptable what they want are screenshots of the clinical notes and i got real happy about that cuz that's less work for me i can just train my doctor get the templates set up that's awesome so that was back in 2018 and if people have been listening to my classes i i know a lot of you are you know come to my a lot of my webinars and classes and i very much thank you for that i you guys are what makes me get up and do this in the morning from that point on people were hearing me say get the documentation don't bother writing up narratives do screenshots And it's been very helpful. Well, now 2021, National Delta put that into their handbook and they are going to start enforcing it because I'll tell you what, a lot of the consultant reviewers, the ones that look at your claims, they're real tired of looking at your stuff. They are. And Christine, you and I have sat through claims reviews where they have put up information or put up examples of claims. I was real tired of looking at their stuff by the time we were done. There was some bad charting going around. One interesting thing about Delta, I just read it from our friends at Unlock the PPO. They have a really good source of information on their Facebook and their blog, but Delta Premier, if you're in California, there's definitely no more Delta Premier and they're going to grandfather the ones that have been in for a while, but if you do any more credentialing at your locations, you know, forget about Delta Premier, just just forget about it. It's pretty much a done deal. So, I got to push that out in my newsletter too. It's not a surprise to anybody if they've been taking any of our classes for a while because, I mean, I love the people I know at Delta. I do. They're good friends of mine. I've known reps for years. But they're going to tell you we're not doing away with Premier until they do away with Premier. That's just, I mean, they have a they have a job. They have marching orders. They have PR people that they have to answer to. So Premier is, you know, we're not going to be seeing it. Lynn, being in Virginia, did you hear about the Delta Dental letter that was sent out by the Delta Dental Virginia people? It just went out. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. So Premier Doctors got a letter that said, um, we're not raising your premier rates, but we're going to raise the PPO rates. Oh, wow. Really? But you know what? Most plans in Virginia are preferred, they're PPO plans. So there's not many people purchasing premier plans. The only advantage is that we can bill a little bit more. That's the only advantage. But I was like, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Actually, it was nice to get a letter that said we're going to bump up fees rather than the ones I normally get emailed that say, hey, you know, 30% gone. Y'all be fine out there. It's good.
2: Nothing to see here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Move along. Keep on billing. Interesting stuff. But again, I say all the time, you need to take a class every year at a minimum on this stuff. And then you gotta work with somebody who's gonna help you put it into practice. Yeah, Christine, can you tell people about your certification? Cause it's the only kind of dentistry. Yeah,
1: the one good thing that happened with me during the pandemic is I had a lot of time home. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with the AMA finally, put in my application for being able to teach the coding, but also to set up certifications that were uh, kind of approved by both AMA and ADA. So
0: AMA is American Medical Association.
1: They went through every one of my manuals to justify backing me. And so now I have the first ever medical dental credentialing backed by both, you know, I'm paying both ADA and AMA so that people could actually get a credential. The reason it's so important is when you have medical people coming over to dental, they already know. They can't work with them. Even though there's not a law, they can't get a job unless they're credentialed. In the dental world, there's never been any of that. Yeah, companies have said certification, but it's
0: not really looked at. They're not recognized by anybody. The ADA has not, yeah, they don't recognize them. No. So the credentialing, they could even go work on a hospital setting if they want. That's important because there's a lot of people looking to leave dentistry, work from home, all this kind of stuff. If you know medical billing, definitely that's an option, but a dental medical coder that's certified is going to be a hot commodity in the future. Yeah, I mean, definitely. truly, I'm not not even trying to sell your academy. When you, when you did this, I said, you're so smart. Because it's going to explode once we get, we're getting closer and closer to medical. So people need to check that out. And I'll link it in the notes. But you're right, though. We are getting to that point where doctors, DSOs, hospitals are going to ask for your credentials. You worked with a hospital. They needed to have all of their people trained. And none of them had any certificate. Can you tell us about that story?
1: Yeah, I worked at the Henry Ford Medical Center. And they added an entire dental program into the hospital because they didn't want any patients having surgery without a clean oral cavity. It was nice. so exciting to hear that. And so they set up a meeting. They asked me to come in. And in the end, they wanted my recommendation on having a dental medical biller. But the hospital can't hire you if you're not credentialed. And there is no credentialing in dental at all. So that's when I decided this has to be done. We deserve to have people recognized for their expertise. And they deserve to get jobs that pay higher. Think about working in a hospital setting. You're getting more benefits. You're getting a salary. And a lot of them now are making you work from home. What I did to make it easier for the dental People because this is new for us is to make modules. And that's what I meant when I said Lynn could help them. What are you going to put in? If you're putting sleep apnea in, take the sleep apnea prevention for, for this. If you're going to put implant bone grafts and overdentures and crowns and all that, take that for you. you're going to do TMD. TMD is not just an orthotic. TMD is Botox. TMD is myofunctional facial things. TMD is somebody broke their jaw. Now need to have all that work done. It's easier if you could do it one step at a time. It takes me years, and i still stuck.
0: Christine, I always used to kind of giggle at you, and you would like throw a pillow at me if we were rooming together, like we usually do. Uh, I would say, "Oh, wow." You have your codes change like every couple of months. You get new codes and updates. I at least I can relax for a whole year. That's something that you should know. If you're dipping your toe in the medical billing world, the codes change a little bit more often. Honestly, for medical billing right now, the money's better than dental billing. Absolutely. Medical dental billing, you're gonna be you're gonna really shine. Cause I'm telling you, I'm hearing from some of these DSO, the group practices, that they're looking for people just like that. So that they have that versatility. Just saw something on Facebook. I answered it. Guy wants to do wisdom teeth extraction for wisdom teeth sideways. Is it better to do medical or dental? And a medical, I mean, 100%. Because breaking it down, Christine, you can bill for images, the time units for the anesthesia, the evaluation, right? The exam times. And I'm not saying you just charge up the wazoo, but when you look and see, how much you bill medically versus dental. You wonder why we wrap up so much stuff.
1: Yeah, we write off a lot. I mean, if you go to a, a dentist today and he has a CBCT scan, and this is something that I've been teaching for the last 10 years with Cable Park, they either charge the patient out of pocket
0: or they write it off. I've never understood that.
1: Just never understood the reasoning. Why would you buy a machine that costs that much money? Let's face
0: it. It's a big item. If they don't bill medically, then they want to write it off because of two reasons I see. One is the person is unsure how to bill it medically. Two is the dental reimbursement is so low and the person doesn't want to send it in because it's going to count against their FMX, which it is what it is. The patient has needs. Oh, I don't want to bill for this evaluation because they already had two evaluations this year. Okay, if you go to a nail salon and your nails are busted, they're going to bill you. And if you come in a week later, they're going to bill you again. And see what I mean? Like There are other industries out there that don't think about this. Oh, let me save you some money. I don't know. We're so different.
1: I think the difference is they weren't trained by you. They were trained by an insurance agent. That's the difference. <laughs> when the insurance first came out. Nobody was teaching. You know, you're right. I remember working in an office where there was no dental insurance. It was easy. Only in-house patient brought $5 to the office. It was different. But then insurances came and we relied on the insurance company to teach us. And that's
0: still how they're learning. That is so interesting you say that because I remember taking classes with Charles Blair years ago, but it was more, here's the code, here's what it is. There was nothing about back then, there was nothing about conversations with patients. There was nothing about helping them choose or here's this clause you need to watch out for. It was just straight, here's the codes, here's what it is. It wasn't so crazy back then. I could call an insurance company like a MetLife, and ask for the representative and chances are she would be there. So I had contacts at United Concordia, the care first system here, the Delta here in Virginia, I actually could talk to the same people. This is years ago, but you're right. When I had a question, they would explain things to me. And then the whole thing about talking to patients about it, I had to do that through trial and error. I mean, lots of error, lots of error. That's how you learn. I never thought about that. You're you're absolutely correct. Nobody was teaching the ins and outs and the tricks that you see and the way things get you stumped. I think that being trained by you is one of the best things a person can do in their dental.
1: Thank you. And I say this all the time. If you don't have a stable dental billing policy and you're doing what you just talked about, like, well, you can't take this because they used up a plane, you're never going to get medical because medical is based on need not the policy limitation. We're so unused to billing for a need. Big changes. Forget about what the policy's paying. Figure out why this patient needs the treatment. Spend your time figuring out why the patient needs it. What happened to them that they lost all their teeth and need implants?
2: That's the difference. What you guys were saying before, it goes back to the philosophy of When the dentist does work, you're billing off of what the dentist needs to do. It has nothing to do with the method of payment, which I've heard both of you teach from the stage before in your classes. The method of payment is taking advantage of the benefits that they have. Do not confuse doing the work and how are they going to pay for it. They are two entirely different processes, two entirely different thought processes as well. Doctor, when they're in the chair, Why is something broken down? What medical necessity is there? Like, Christine, you talked about diabetes or a pregnant patient. We know a pregnant patient, gums are going to do things differently when you're pregnant than when you're not pregnant. And so all of these things come back to how do we treat patients, the entire patient. That is one thing versus how are they going to pay for their services, I cannot stand hearing providers saying, well, we're not going to charge the patient because we just don't do that. Well, why don't you do that? Well, we don't know how to do that. Well, then then you learn. And that's one of the reasons for coming to the insurance extravaganza. Learn how to do the things you're not comfortable about or you're not sure about. Invest in that so that you can go back again and take care of your patients. It all goes back to patient care. That was great. Love it. All right, ladies. I want to thank you
0: ladies for coming on and talking about the implementation piece and the Medicare Advantage and just Medicaid and all that stuff. Insurance is such a pain point And I think it needs a whole bunch of people like us to help people not lose their minds because that's what's happening out there with these new people walking in. They're like, what do you mean waiting period? What's a waiting period? We have to be the ones to help them out with that. Lynn, how do they
2: find you? The best way to find me would be going to my website, which is victorydentalmanagement.com, all spelled out, and there is a contact form there on the website.
1: Awesome. And Christine? my The best way to contact me is go to dentalmedicalbilling.com, fill out the information. I get an email, and I would be happy to call you back. There you
0: go. And y'all know how to find me.
1: Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for hosting this. Thank you. I can't wait to work with both of you again. It's the best part of it. I know that the people come to the meeting are leaving with great
0: information. And they're going to laugh their butts off. (laughs) Well, dear listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with me. I always appreciate that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.